0: Welcome to Dear Empath, a weekly podcast dedicated to helping empaths like you strengthen your skills and navigate this world with confidence. I am your host, Gus Baxter, coach and intuitive advisor and owner of Atlas Readings LLC. Connect with me on Instagram at atlasreadings and explore one-on-one coaching at www.atlasreadings.com. Welcome to Dear Empath Season 2. I am so excited that you're here. In Season 1, I focused on foundational skills. Together, we walked through learning the language of the emotions by exploring anger, sadness, and fear. Some later episodes explored more complicated expressions like guilt, shame, envy, and greed. I outlined some important internal skills like treating yourself with kindness and creating a positive mental landscape. One of the biggest takeaways from the episode on external skills was everyone's favorite, boundaries. I even spent a few episodes extolling the benefits of journaling and the many forms that can take. This season, we're taking all of those foundational skills into the real world. How do you put these skills into practice? Well, what's going on in your life? I will have weekly calls on my Instagram for listeners to write in about what they're experiencing. This is your opportunity to get some coaching around a situation in your life. I will keep everything as general as possible. I want you to be confident in sharing these personal experiences with me and the listeners. As a listener, be open to what is shared. I guarantee you can relate to these experiences and reflect back on how you may apply the skills and lessons learned from other listeners' stories in your own life. There will be more expert interviews this season, where I hand-select professionals who exemplify the mission of Dear Empath to join us and share their expertise. If you know of someone, a professional in your life, someone you follow on social media, or someone you want to hear on the podcast, I want you to reach out to me. Dear Empath's first guest will be a licensed marriage and family therapist who is joining me for a discussion about men and emotional expression in relationships. The skills and techniques I will talk about in Season 2 are going to be more advanced. These skills, like active listening and being a better listener, will pull on the lessons learned in Season 1 you have full use of this entire podcast. If you want a refresher or double-check your understanding of a technique, go back and listen to that episode in Season 1. The bite-sized nature of this podcast is meant to be as accessible as possible. For the first episode of Season 2, I want to share a story from my own past and how that inspired me to become a coach. I graduated from Drew University in 2012, a small private liberal arts university in Madison, New Jersey, with my bachelor's degree in biological anthropology. My dream, at 22, was to become a professional forensic anthropologist and write on the side. At first, my dream was on track. A few months after graduation, I secured a contract position working at the office of the chief medical examiner also known as the OCME, in New York City. My contract started in February 2013 and ran through May of that year. In this position, my title was criminalist, and my job was to sift through the excavated remains of 9-11 and uncover bones to be identified via DNA. This was an incredible position that introduced me to the working world of anthropology. I met incredible people and worked under celebrated anthropologists like Dr. Bradley Adams. Most of my coworkers were in graduate school for their master's, and a small number of them were getting their Ph.D. Most students were from New York University, and a handful of them were from Columbia University and Hunter College, which are also located in New York City. When my contract ended in May, I asked to stay on. What could I do to continue working here? The answer was, get a master's degree. This had nothing to do with my performance or my aptitude. Clearly, I was good at what I did. But when you're working for a corporation, or in my case, working for the government, people who will never see you or meet you want to see a master's degree on your resume. I understood that, and the people who guided me were very upfront that this is just how it works. So I spent the next year applying to graduate programs. I sent applications to about 10 schools, including NYU, to Columbia, to the University of California, to California State University, and to my top choice, the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Slowly, I got letter after letter that all read the same. Dear Mr. Baxter, thank you for your application to insert school name and program here. We regret to inform you, I think you know the rest. Now I started to panic. I looked at my contemporaries, the other people I graduated with from Drew University. Matt was already in med school. Carl had just received his acceptance to medical school to start in the fall. Diego was well into his PhD program. Arlene had landed a great job in healthcare PR. Ellen was crushing her master's degree and working full-time at the same time. What was I doing? I was sitting at my parents' dining room table reading letter after letter of colleges and universities that didn't want me. Everyone was passing me by. Or at least, that's what it felt like. I think a lot of us can relate, but when I started feeling like that, That everyone was passing me by, and if I don't make a quick decision right now, that I will be lost forever. Whatever decision I make at that moment rarely works out. There is no such thing as an overnight success. Sometimes it can look like that, but that's all because all the hard work and labor that goes into creating something doesn't get the respect it deserves. What I needed in that moment was a coach. I needed someone who I could turn to that would help me slow down and see reality for what it was, and not what I feared it to be. Sure, I had my parents to talk to, but I wanted to make them proud. I wanted to do right by them. And they both wanted the best for me, and they wanted me to follow my passions. That kind of relationship can create a lot of, yes, go for it, everything will work out perfectly, kind of conversations. Sometimes, that's exactly what you need to hear. Looking back at that time, I could have used a little bit more objectivity, someone who could be honest with me, who could challenge me to be honest. If I had the opportunity to go back and coach myself at that moment, I would start by asking about the strength of my applications. I had no idea how to fill out a graduate-level application. But I felt so rushed and so scared that if I didn't fill them out right away, I would lose out on the opportunity. So I didn't give myself the space to learn. I didn't call the Career Center or even the Anthropology Department at Drew for advice. I didn't reach out to admissions counselors or local organizations that help students get into schools. I would ask myself, what's driving this desire to get my master's degree? I was told that if I want to continue working at the OCME, I would need a master's degree. And in my stylized vision of what my life could be, a master's degree was part of that plan. But when I take a step back and look from a wider perspective, I recognize my fear and that for so long I had held on to that one path. My mother has a doctorate in psychology. For that reason, I wanted to at least get my master's degree. All I had known for the last 16 years was school. I didn't know what it meant to live and work and succeed in the professional world. I was scared, so I wanted to stick with what was comfortable. School. Lastly, many of my friends from college were doing this. I didn't want to be forgotten or lost or outshined. I wanted to be like everyone else and go to graduate school. All of this would lead coach me to ask 22-year-old me, "What is it that you want?" You've described all the ways other people and other stories have influenced your desire to go to graduate school. Drop all of that weight. What's left? What do you want to do? At 22, I think my answer would have been, I don't know. And that was too scary to face back then. Instead of acknowledging this unknown, I held on for dear life to the vision that I had outgrown. Coach me would not have been as scared. There's a lot of information in I don't know. You're sharing that this vision doesn't work anymore. We can explore it and see if some parts still resonate or if the whole thing is too small now. In saying, I don't know, you may be able to cross out a whole bunch of paths and expectations. If there is one thing I've learned as an anthropologist, and especially a professional anthropologist, knowing what something isn't can be just as valuable. When you know what something isn't, then you narrow the field of possibility considerably and you are able to more effectively use your energy. This story is the very beginning of Atlas Readings, LLC. I created this company, I put in hours and hours of professional development and study so that I could help this scared 22-year-old version of myself find his footing and move with confidence. I hope you found something in this story to connect with. Maybe you've been in this position, or you know someone who has. Or you can connect with that fear of being left behind. If you're interested in working one-on-one with me, reach out. You can reach out at my website, www.atlasreadings.com, or send me an email at gus at atlasreadings.com, and we'll set up a discovery call together. I am so excited for the rest of this season, and I'm so happy you're going to be joining me on this journey. I'm so proud of you. Talk to you next week. Dear Empath with Gus Baxter is a product of Atlas Readings, LLC. For more information, follow on Instagram at atlasreadings or online at www.atlasreadings.com.